0: Welcome to Pushing the Limits, the show that gets deep into the psyche of those who have achieved the extraordinary, from sports people to business people to social change innovators, cutting to the chase to unlock the secrets of their success, brought to you by Running Hot Coaching, the platform that helps you achieve all your health and fitness goals. Well, hi everybody, it's Lisa Tumby here at Pushing the Limits and welcome back to the show if you're a returning listener and if you're new to the show, welcome and you're in for an uh, absolute treat today. Um, I have some exciting guests on the show, but the man I have with me now could change your life, your future. He is, what, he is the world's leading expert on anti-ageing, on t- uh, telomere shortening and I have uh, the amazing privilege that I am... Very close friends with his wife, so (laughs) I've managed to get Dr. Bill Andrews on the show. He's also an extreme ultramarathon runner, and we're going to talk a little bit about that as well as his groundbreaking research in anti-aging. So, welcome to the show, Dr. Bill Andrews, all the way from Reno. How are you, Bill? Thank
1: you, thank you, thank you very much.
0: It's a real privilege to have you on today. Now, uh, before we get into the science stuff, before we get into, you know, all the, the complicated sort of stuff that you're involved with, with the incredible research that you and your team at Sierra Sciences uh, do, I want to know a little bit, and I know a bit of your background, So, uh, but I, I want to talk about your running career, you know, because I know everyone knows you as this amazing yeah. uh, scientist. But you're an overachiever not only in the science world, but also in ultramarathoning world. How long have you been doing ultras for,
1: Bill? 21 years now. I ran my first ultramarathon 21 years ago.
0: 21 years ago. So may I give away how old you are?
1: Yeah, please. Go
0: ahead. (laughs) So 66. So that makes what? 40, 45. You started.
1: Yes. But I've been running since I was 10 years old. I ran my first endurance race when I was 10. And uh, then I ran cross country and track all through high school and college. Uh, started running marathons in graduate school. Uh, and so I ran, you know, did a lot of marathons between 1981 and. 1998. When 1998 was my ran my first ultra marathon, or maybe it was. sorry, it was 1996 when I ran my first ultra marathon. Wow. Wow.
0: Amazing, and you've been doing it ever since. And um, I know, like we we have both done, you know, the likes of Death Valley. How many times have you run through the Badwater ultramarathon?
1: Twice. Twice. And uh, that's <laughs> probably going to be the the most. Uh, I'll never do it again. Yeah, I, me both either. times. <laughs> bo- both times. I thought the race actually wasn't that hard. But my feet got so blistered that the second – so I ran it two years in a row, and th- th- when I ran it the second year, my feet still hadn't recovered from the first year. <laughs> and so after the second year, my feet were beyond recognition. They were so badly burned and blistered at the bottom. And it took so long to heal, I said, I am never doing that race again. <laughs> just a,
0: And you really, you know, it wasn't that feet. hard. I mean, like I, I found that – my feet were actually great. I didn't even get many blisters, but – I've got Maori feet, you see, good native feet. <laughs> but I was toast, you know, like that. that I, I found those extremely tough, extremely tough races, both of them.
1: Well, I, I acclimated by being in a sauna every day for an hour. Yep. You know, you get into these 180-degree uh, saunas, uh, and uh, uh, I forget if it's Fahrenheit or centigrade, but I think it's Fahrenheit. Yep. And uh, the uh, uh, the first time you get in – you you can't even stay in for 15 minutes, but after like a month or two of of doing that every single day, you're running inside the sauna for like an hour, you know? And so it's really easy to get acclimated to the heat and that made bad water easy for me. Uh, It's just that it wasn't, no acclimation for the bottoms of my feet, that was the problem.
0: <laughs> oh, And you've also uh, done Ultra the High, another race that we have in common, um, another yes. incredibly tough race and a very uh, dangerous and exciting adventure and the first time, tell us a little about your journey the first time because you did it the year before I went and had a few dramas yeah. up there the first time around.
1: Well, it was really exciting because I did it the very first year it ever existed and Uh, Only three of us did it. Uh, Mark Cobain, Molly, my wife, who wasn't my wife at the time, um, and uh, myself. Nobody else, a lot of other people signed up, but they all dropped out only because they they heard these stories from the Indian government saying it's impossible. A human cannot run at those altitudes for that distance. And so we were, you know, entering the unknown, venturing into the unknown, trying to see what would happen. Yeah. And uh, now, unfortunately, unfortunately I, I actually acclimated to the altitude really well with a, a device called Alto Lab, A-L-T-O-L-A-B. And uh, I know that Ray Sanchez later did it, and I was the one that told Ray Sanchez about it. Uh, but I found out that the very first day I got there, I was able to go up to 18,000 feet and run with no problem at all. Wow. And uh, so, but, so in that sense, I don't know if I might have been cheating or not, but that, that I I didn't have to suffer like a lot of other people did. I actually ran over the uh, first eighteen thousand foot peak, but the problem was is that when I got to the lowest altitude, I suddenly started getting a really sharp pain in you know just above my stomach in that area, and I asked. I thought it was because there was a lot of smog in downtown uh, Lay, and so I thought maybe something was happening there. So I had. I got into a car and asked him to drive me out so I could breathe some fresh air, but it just got worse. And then all of a sudden I said, get me to the hospital fast. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it turned out I had a uh, gallbladder attack oh. and everybody says it was completely unrelated to the running, it just was really bad timing.
0: Yep.
1: So, I, that, so that year I only made it 50 miles. And then Molly, who was uh, ahead of me at the time, <clears throat> she ended up finding out that I was in the hospital uh, when she had already done over 100 miles. And uh, when she heard, she she started running, and then all of a sudden she just realized that she lost enthusiasm, yeah,
0: totally. turned around and
1: ran back and told the race director, to take me to Bill. Yeah,
0: when and, uh, trouble, so, you make So know.
1: neither one of us finished that year, but fortunately Mark Cobain finished and proved it was possible. And so uh, Molly went back next year, and she finished it. I went back two years later and finished it. And then surprisingly, even when I went back, I, again, at at the lowest altitude of the race, started happening weird thing. I started, I, I suddenly went to a walk when I was running downhill and I thought, okay, something's wrong. And I, I told the race director, you know, I need to see a doctor. Something's wrong here. Uh, the doctor came and checked me out said, I'm perfectly fine. So I got up and started walking again. And as soon as I got out of this little village where I was, I started feeling good again and ran up the next mountain. Wow. And so I think it was I was just having some allergic reaction to something in the air. Well, I, um,
0: I actually, because uh, we both, you know, I did it that, that second year and I really had big trouble with, um, it felt like someone had a fist right under my lungs, right up in the, in the in, in a, I don't know, it felt like a sort of a stitch thing. So I had that trouble too, going through lay. From halfway down the Kadong La, down through Leh and then out the other side for a long time, it felt like someone had a fist in my
1: stomach.
0: Uh, so Mine I wonder... felt like a knife. Mine yeah? felt
1: like a knife. Someone was stabbing me. Well, That's I wonder
0: a... if it's something to do with uh, you know going up and down, and and the the smog was incredibly bad.
1: The the, the pollution in the air yeah. because Leh, even though it's way up in the Himalayas, there's no smog control. Everything, every vehicle that goes by you is pushing out black smoke yeah um, the second year when I ran it though I, I wore a mask yep uh, the whole way and I, I got a mask from Elto lab again oh wow so <clears throat> it was a kind of a weird-looking mask it had this thing where it covered my mouth but it worked really well uh, yep. and I never suffered any problems but I still had the problems later on when I got out of lay and you know like what, 40 miles later entered another little village and I forget the name of it but it was uh, pretty much near before just going up the second
0: hill yeah yeah it was it was incredibly brutal race but you know you guys were pioneers doing it the first year and all i can remember is you know molly didn't manage it that year and because of the dramas etc and i thought oh i'm gonna be the first woman i'm gonna go i have got to go you know (laughs) and then when i got over there and there were four of us (laughs) four women and two guys and i was going off for crying out loud i thought i'd be the only one (laughs) i was quite peeved off at that <laughs> well, I, let's see, I have the
1: privilege of I have the privilege of being the oldest person' that's ever finished wow uh, and uh I think Molly is the oldest, the oldest woman to ever woman, finish.
0: yeah for sure. For and sure, she's think. also
1: the first American woman to ever finish
0: yeah yeah and I was the first Kiwi woman and the second woman ever so that was pretty yeah. cool behind Sharon Gator who's an amazing athlete um but that was a yeah it, so bill you you've also done the Barclay marathons like that's something I like who the hell oh, yeah. takes on that craziness? Because I, I wouldn't even dare take oh, on that
1: one. That's the most exciting race on the planet. But I, you didn't I'll finish you. it.
0: Surely you didn't. You know,
1: okay, you, you, you just, you, this, the name of the show is Pushing the Limits, right? <laughs>
0: yeah, but that one well, is ridiculous. I,
1: I believe in pushing the limits and doing it for fun. And the way that makes it fun is that, you know, I set my the highest goals possible but I always adjust accordingly. Yes, yeah. We can't reach those goals. I love okay, that. I love that.
0: That's so, a great way to so it.
1: So whenever I finish a race, I've always accomplished something great, fair even fair though fair. I didn't come anywhere close to be, beating my original goal. I, I beat the the latest goal that I probably set at 99 miles when I was in a 100 mile race. Wow. You know, but, but that's that's the Barkley marathons are like that. You always go thinking I'm going to finish.
0: Yeah.
1: And then then. Oh, let's see if I can now I'm going to try to see if I can make one lap. Yeah. You know, which is like 20 miles. And it's I've done that race three times now.
0: What was the furthest that you got?
1: Uh, 20 miles and and that was I could have gone further but okay, so well, let me say the first two times I only made it 8 miles. Wow. And what they said is if you don't do the first 8 miles in 4 hours, yep. how could you not do 8 miles yeah, in 4 hours? I know, but this is if, if you don't do it in 4 hours, you have to disqualify yourself and and go cross-country back down the hill to the fi- uh, start-finish line. So that happened the first two times. Yep. And uh, the third time I had it, I went early and practiced on the course and learned the course And because a lot of the problems is hard to find your way. And a lot of times it's like, how do you get out of certain jams? There's one thing called son-of-a-bitch ditch, okay? <laughs> and uh, it's like you go down in this ditch and you can't get out of it. And so the third year I ran, I, I, I wore... Uh, I took a a grappling hook with me. I took a Those thing you put on your shoes that let you walk on ice And I had ninja claws. (laughs) And uh, those work like beautiful. I I jumped into that ditch and climbed right out the other side. uh, Good tip if I ever do it. (laughs) At about 15 miles into the race, I encountered another runner lying on the ground having some kind of heart attack or something like that. Oh, my gosh. Yep. And, uh, so the, so all of a sudden my whole goal changed. And so yeah, he, we had to go over two mountain ranges to get to any help. So I carried, so i ran up to the top of one mountain, went, ran back down, got his pack, carried his pack up oh my. while he called. And then we did the same thing on the second mountain. And then as a result, I didn't make the 20 hour cutoff in time, uh, 20 mile cutoff in time. But yep. he was saying that he was going to talk to the race director about letting me go on anyway. i explained, I said, no, no. Cause I didn't want... I didn't want the race director to know what happened to that guy. You know, he, yeah. you know it's like that would have made too much bad press for him. Yeah. He, unfortunately, that guy recently passed away oh. at, uh, right after running a different race that was also uh, called. Um,
0: oh, so he, ex- he had obviously some probably some heart issue or something going on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But the Barclay Marathons, people, if, uh, you can see it on Netflix and a, a few other places. It, it is the um, most craziest, stupidest, amazing race there is. And there's only like, I think, is it seven or eight people in the history have ever completed it?
1: Something like that. It's and it's been amazing. 30 years, 30, 30 years, years running yeah. every
0: year. So when he say yeah. Bill says he got to the 20 mile mark, that means something even. You know what I mean? Like it's just not... I've seen people There's, do Northburn 100 milers, really, really tough race, our race over here, and go to Barclay and not finish the first round. You know, that, <laughs> it's that tough. But, um, yeah. He's still my still number one goal on. to finish
1: that race, though. So.
0: Really? Still? Oh, my God. Yeah, I'm
1: going back. I'm going back. <laughs>
0: Oh, well, that actually, that's a good segue because to do that, you're going to have to turn, uh, you know, keep yourself from aging because, uh, and, and this has been the focus now of your um, your academic and science career for the last, what's well, basically your whole entire adult life, has, has it not?
1: Well, since I was 50... Uh, Fifty-five years, fifty-six years, because it was—I wow. was ten years old when my father first put the idea in my head. So, what and did he say I to just, you
0: uh, that you know that you've been on this anti-anti-aging <clears throat> mission mission for fifty-five uh, years?
1: He knew that he, he he observed that I was very interested in medicine and science. Uh, my science teacher at my elementary school was telling my parents this kid's just unbelievably interested in this kind of stuff. And one day, I was out in the front lawn of our house looking through a telescope uh, and my father came out to the lawn and just said, Hey, you know, Bill, since you're so interested in medicine and science, when you grow up, you should become a doctor and find a cure for aging. And he said, he said, I don't know why nobody's done that yet. And, and it was like, I thought, well, that sounds like a great idea. I'd love to do. And so I, I became interested in that from, from that moment. And I just spent years and years actually following everything I could Uh, all through high school, college, um, just trying to figure out what was the secrets to aging. And it wasn't until the early 1990s that I really found what I thought solved everything, and that was the tips of our chromosomes are actually a clock of aging.
0: So this is the the telomeres, the famous – so this discovery, this was actually discovered, uh, I believe, in the 1950s by the Russians, telomeres themselves – is that correct? Actually,
1: telomeres. Telomeres were discovered in 1940s okay, by. Okay. Um, oh, I'm going blank on her name. Ruth. I remember her first name is Ruth, but I can't remember her her last name. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but a scientist. She discovered telomeres, and then uh, Elizabeth Blackburn and Carol Greider and Jack Szostak discovered that uh, uh, they don't short. See, everybody was saying telomeres need to shorten. Okay, because and whenever a cell divides and the chromosomes are duplicated, there was no mechanism known inside of a cell to actually duplicate the very ends of the chromosome. So every new chromosome was going to be shorter than the old chromosome. Yeah. And But it was Blackburn and uh, Grider and Stolstack that observed that it they didn't shorten in a pond scum organism called tetrahymena. Uh-huh. And uh, so so they they... Speculated there had to be some enzyme which they called telomere terminal transferase, uh, and they discovered some aspects of it, uh, more specifically the what's called the RNA component, uh, but they never connected the dots to anything related to aging or cancer. They just they were just studying this mechanism. It was <clears throat> later on when uh, a guy named Calvin Harley, uh, wrote a paper speculating that maybe this is the clock of aging. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so I, I met Cal Harley uh, because he was like-minded with me. He, he didn't believe in all the theories. They didn't make sense about aging. We both believed that there had to be some kind of clock ticking inside of ourselves. And this was the only thing that ever was discovered that could be that clock. And so when I talked to Cal, I I, I asked him if if anybody has figured out a way to lengthen them because if it is the clock of aging, the way to prove it is to lengthen them and see if cells get younger. Mm-hmm. And he said, no, nobody's been able to figure out how to lengthen them. They've, they've been working on it, including Blackburn and Grider who had been uh, with the pond scum organism, but nobody had been able to figure it out. So he hired me. I had a background already in a lot of big blockbusters in biotech. Uh, and so he hired me to, work on it, and I ended up discovering this enzyme called telomerase,
0: telomerase. Which, is,
1: yep. which, which is telomere terminal transferase, but we didn't call it that, we called it telomerase instead, uh, after only three months. So when was <clears> this, which
0: year was this, Bo? Because this is, that so was I'm just building a timeline.
1: Well, let's say first, Ryder and Stolstack and Blackburn first discovered that telomeres don't shorten in the mid-1980s. Uh, but no, they didn't put any significance to it. And then I ended up discovering human telomerase in, uh, uh, 1992, I think it was maybe
0: 1993.
1: Um, then showed that, uh, when, and, and then it turned out telomerase is only produced in our reproductive cells. And that's why our children are born with yeah. Not just as long as ours.
0: So let's let's take a step back and, and just walk yeah. through the science, so that um because you know like this is for you second hat you know second nature yeah. and, and uh for most people it's like what the hell what what are Sorry. they what yeah. are no, telling is yeah um so um I'll try and put it in layman's terms and you correct me where, where I'm where am wrong so all of our cells every cell in our body replicates itself and before it dies it, it well every cell knows it has to replicate itself before it dies. When it goes to replicate itself, each time it's like a a poor photocopy. There's a slight difference from the original, and the difference is the telomeres. Now, the telomeres are – you use the analogy of the the plastic at the end of shoelaces. And if the shoelace – Replicated itself each time. That little bit of plastic at the end that holds it all together gets shorter and shorter and shorter till it gets to the point where it's so short that the shoelace unravels, basically. Yes. And so that that shoelace unraveling represents the the helix within the chromosome with our DNA then starts to unravel, and this is when we die. So from what I understand, we are born with tel- uh, telomeres the length of ten thousand bases, correct? Yes. Um, yes. At the end of our chromosomes, which are around 100,000 bases, is it measured? 100 million bases. 100, 100 million bases. Million. So it's yeah. very, very tips of these. Um, so, so what people need to understand is that these telomeres uh, are replicated each time, but they get shorter and shorter as we age, and that's what's causing. So it's like a poor photocopy every time we we're replicating ourselves. We're replicating a lesser. Uh, but that doesn't happen in our perfect, reproductive. Perfect. Is that is that clear?
1: <laughs> yes, yes. No, that was that was really good. I, I I I sometimes explain it that way too, but uh clearly you've done your homework. Oh yeah um, well, the, I'm uh, excited about that. So this. you understand it very well. Yeah. Yeah, but in, in, yeah, that just doesn't happen in our reproductive cells. And it's just it it makes sense that it shouldn't, it couldn't that because we would not be we'd be extinct because our chromosomes would be so short we'd yeah. we couldn't exist. So,
0: so, our babies are born with a full length telomere on each cell. So, yes. I, I answer a question for me that I've been thinking about the last few days. You, you know, Dolly the sheep that was cloned. Yes. That was cloned, and but it was the same age as its mother when it was born. Correct. Yes. Because yes. it wasn't didn't have this this telomerase right. actually doing its job. So, yeah, it uh, never yeah. went
1: through reproductive cells.
0: So answer and, me one more question, and this is a very personal question uh, for me right now because I've been, we've been trying to have a child, and the, the, the problem that I've got is I'm old. I'm very old. <laughs> I'm 49, and the doctor's going, your eggs are old. Um, if our reproductive system doesn't age, why are my eggs
1: too old? Um, because of damage from environment. Okay. So um, – And, and it's not, you know, it's, it's actually kind of incorrect to say that the eggs are old. It's the eggs are, are more depleted. Okay. It's, uh, you know, when you, when you, you every woman is born with, uh, 450, uh, eggs or cells that are destined to become egg cells. Wow. And And when she reaches puberty, she starts to lose one, one a month and, uh, Four hundred and fifty months later, she loses her last one, and that's when she enters um, menopause. I
0: thought okay, there were so, thousands of eggs or millions of eggs in there.
1: Well, and- there, there's there's a lot of cells in there, but most of them are actually there to just nourish the other the ah. other cells that are actually destined to become egg cells. Ah. Um, and and so so that's that's really a problem. I, I've never considered um, menopause an aging related thing. It's just correlated with aging, but it's more of a counting mechanism. Uh-huh. Um, and, but, you know, the solution is, is actually very near, and that's, that's uh, uh, companies like uh, BioTime, B-I-O-T-I-M-E. Uh, they're working on making it so that they can turn your skin cells into egg cells using what's called induced pluripotency, and uh, that way, even when you're 70 years old,
0: you oh my could gosh. probably have a child. Oh my gosh, um, I've, got, I've got hope.
1: <laughs> that's right around the corner. Yeah, that's right around the corner.
0: Oh, can I get myself um, on the list? I'll be the first one to experiment. <laughs>
1: yeah, Well, go to, it's, It's. I forget their exact website, but if you do a, a Google search for biotime, yep. uh, and they're located in Alameda, California, in case there's more than one biotime in the world. Yep. Um, and the, the main guy who runs, who's the president of the company is Michael West, who just happens to be the guy that, Hired me at Jeron Corporation. Oh he used my. to be the founder. He was the founder and president of Jeron Corporation.
0: Oh, you've got to hook me uh, up. Where I,
1: where I discovered telomerase.
0: You'll have to introduce me. See if he can uh, recharge my eggs in some way, shape, or form. <laughs> yeah. Um, but but all jokes aside, you know, is I, I've 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 heard you speaking. Um, you know, you you've you've worldwide media attention for the breakthroughs that you and your company, Sierra Sciences, has had. Um, I know that you have gone through over, well, back a while ago, it was 300 and something thousand compounds to try to lengthen, to find the enzyme that turns on the telomerase?
1: No, it's not an enzyme. To find the molecule that will get into our cells and induce our cells to produce the enzyme telomerase.
0: Right, so this is like a switch that we obviously have within our reproductive cells. That is in every cell of our body. It's in 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 every every... cell, but it's not turned on in the rest of our somatic cells. Only in our reproductive cells. So in our reproductive cells, our it is turned on, and so when a reproductive cell duplicates itself, so like when the baby's developing inside the womb. It is making a complete and proper copy of each cell without the shortening. Is that correct?
1: Yes, that's exactly correct. In, in reality, and more accurate, but probably overdoing it here. When when a reproductive cell divides, the telomeres do get a little shorter, but then telomerase relengthens them. Ah. Okay. Cell divides again; it re- gets shorter, and then telomerase relengthens them. So I often compare it to like a tug of war. You've got things shortening and lengthening going on at the same time in your reproductive cells
0: because this is um, one one of the questions that i've been thinking about in, in the research is if you can lengthen tel- uh, telomeres okay uh, you've found the breakthrough you're, you're lengthening the telomeres how can that actually reverse the damage already done to the genetic uh, the actual helix the where the, the dna and the chromosome how can that it actually can't. Ever, it, it, can't? it can
1: but but cells that have damage are eliminated from the body ah. when there are other healthy cells that can replace them and uh, that's something, you know, a lot of people overlook when they talk about how, you know, you got to solve the damage problems. But, but if the damage has no negative effects on the cells, then so what? But if it does have negative effects on the cells, it, it probably makes them grow slower and unhealthier and less able to compete with other cells. And so you can eliminate them. But if you if, you, if you, the other cells in your body have short telomeres, they lose the ability to replace those damaged cells but yeah we when we do experiments in the vitro in the petri dish and we have a mixture of damaged cells and undamaged cells after you know a few months of culturing the damaged cells are gone so you know it, the, it the healthy cells take them over they take yeah. over
0: so you get enough yeah. so it takes a while for the, to get through this process because in in the laboratory you've in the petri dish you've turned uh, skin cells, older skin cells, into infant skin cells. Correct. Yes. And you yep. can hold, you can, you can keep human cells alive indefinitely. They don't age within the petri dish environment. Yes. That, that, that's we, we, amazing. We actually call it immortal. Imm- we call them immortal. Imm- immortal, hence the title of your your documentary, which is worldwide yeah. famous documentary, The Immortalists. Um, so. You've also, I know that you gave some compounds to Harvard University, correct? That they, they did some rat studies a while back.
1: Yeah, we didn't actually give them any compounds. What they did is they they licensed the telomerase gene from Geron Corporation. Right, <coughs> where I was working, and and with the idea that they were actually thinking that telomerase would cause cancer, so oh. they were they, they put them in put the they developed a gene therapy way of introducing telomerase to the mouse cells, all the cells of the body. And uh, we're we're shocked when the the mice didn't get cancer. Actually, the rate of cancer decreased, uh, which is something I'd always been saying, that that, uh, keeping telomeres long is the best way to prevent and fight cancer. But uh, to his surprise, after three weeks, he saw what he calls a remarkable reversal of the aging process. He saw all the mice get younger in every way imaginable which nothing else on the planet has ever done that everything you hear about resveratrol and nad and all those other things they 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 may make improve the energy of an animal but they never reverse everything about aging that's what telomeres did and that's the best i call support of concept uh, that we've ever seen for the idea that telomeres are the clock of aging but but he was really blown away and Diane Sawyer did it. She's a newscaster. I don't know if you know her in yes, New Zealand. Yep, she's I do. Very, very good. She, she did an interview of him, which is really remarkable. And a lot of times in my presentations, I show that interview because I was so excited about the fact that somebody proved what I was 99.9% certain to be the case. And uh, now did, we just got it in humans.
0: These old mice turned into younger mice.
1: Everywhere imaginable, they're so all by they're all parameters. Dementia even disappeared. The dementia,
0: their, their brain size returned to normal.
1: Yes, their, their balding
0: they're here. they gray hair, they all the things that are associated with aging in mice, their obesity, yes. everything reversed.
1: Yeah, but th- th- not just their brain size, their brain cognitive functions came back. Wow, which has really gotten a lot of people. Now, when I attend medical conferences, I find everybody saying like dementia and Alzheimer's and things like that, isn't a loss of memory. It's a loss of access to the memory. Oh. Memory is somewhere stored in your brain, and when you get Alzheimer's, you lose the connections that get access to that memory. So by lengthening the telomeres, it appears that it is very likely that, that uh, lengthening telomeres restores access to that memory. Wow. Uh, so I, I believe that we actually have a clinical study underway right now uh, to... Test Alzheimer's patients to prevent. See if we can prevent Alzheimer's.
0: Oh my gosh! So, so if this is not just for anti-aging, as in you know we we're going to live longer, but we're going to be living healthier in the future. Oh. So, uh, yeah. all these degenerative that's, diseases, these
1: horrible. Every every things. person in the world that's working on trying to cure aging is not just trying to make us live longer without us being healthier. The, the goal of everybody is there's no point in living longer if you're not living healthier. No. So. We got to live healthy longer. That's that's the goal, and and reverse declining health as well as aging.
0: So how far away? I mean, you have gone through over I don't know how many hundreds of thousands of compounds now that help turn this human telomerase. Uh, over five hundred thousand. Five hundred thousand yeah. nowadays. My gosh. So every yeah. day you've got a robot robot in your laboratory that's testing all these compounds. Are these compounds that you're putting together? These are synthetic compounds of chemicals. Yeah.
1: Yeah, maybe for the first like two hundred thousand, we were doing chemicals at random. Yep. Uh, we ended up discovering um, some like nine hundred different chemicals, and we were able to, that, that actually did induce telomerase in like we were testing fibroblast cells, which is a cell inside the skin. Yep. So these nine hundred, we looked at the structures of all these nine hundred, and we were able to divide them up into uh, thirty-seven different families. Okay, because there were some, a lot of them looked very similar to each other. So we could build them into 37 families. And then since then, we've been doing what's called medicinal chemistry. Instead of just picking chemicals at random, we've been designing our own chemicals based on the structures that we learned to, to, to increase well, potency and yep. decrease toxicity. Some of them, you know, some of the ones we discovered at random had severe toxic side effects. Um, but uh, then, uh, uh, we were able to get rid of that toxicity by doing medicinal chemistry. And our, our best chemical to date is something called TAM818. <clears throat> yep. So like, that was,
0: explain so, the name there, because you explained that to me before, yes. and I thought that was interesting.
1: But the name the name of it was C0314818, uh, because that was our 314,818th chemical we tested. Uh, <laughs> then we licensed that to a company called Defy Time, And they didn't like that name, so they changed it to TAM818, which stands for Telomerase Activating Molecule 818.
0: And this is a proven actual compound that is available on the market today that will influence the aging. How potent is that compound?
1: It's not potent enough to make an 80-year-old become a 24-year-old. Yep. Okay? Uh, And uh, we are working on... Developing things that are potent enough to do that right now. In fact, we have one in clinical studies right now. Uh, but tam818, we estimate, is about sixfold lower in potency than it takes to turn an old person into a young person. Wow, so uh, a but sixth it does the way there. Yeah. Right. So I mean, that's that's one sixth the way there is way close. Okay, because we when like years before we discovered tam818, we had other chemicals that were maybe a hundredfold less and then 20-fold uh, less and tenfold less, and then we got to six. And uh, uh, But we, we kind of shifted gears because um, some new technology was developed. Uh, well the technology of gene therapy wasn't new, but there was a new type of gene therapy that was discovered that had absolutely zero side effects. And uh, so we employed that gene therapy to start delivering the gene to cells of the body. And we have, in, in the laboratory, just been able to reverse aging in every way imaginable in human cells. And so wow. that, that gene therapy has been our approach right now because that is, when I say that Tam818 is six-fold less than the potency needed to reverse aging, this gene therapy is 30-fold higher than what we need to. Reverse agent and so
0: higher than what we need to reverse it.
1: (laughs) Unfortunately, it's super, super expensive. I mean, (laughs) really, millions of dollars to produce enough to treat one person once. But a company called Labella L I B E L L A, Labella Gene Therapeutics, licensed this from us and they got approval to do a clinical study. And they are, the clinical study is underway right now. So I'm really excited. I'm I'm a spectator just like everybody else, but I'm real excited because for the first time ever, we will actually get to see if if all my ideas for the last 25 years are real or not, are true. So and, uh, why
0: didn't you, Bill, take this to market? Why, why did you get another company? So your Sierra Sciences does just the research on yeah. the thing, and then you pass the ball to someone who can actually bring it to market or get the clinical trials in this case. Yeah going and this is with clinical trials on actual humans not yes human cells in a petri dish
1: this is yeah so so the reason why we didn't do this ourselves is because from day one when we first started when i first started this company in 1999 my business model was we would never become a marketing company because every company like mine as soon as they get a product on the market they suddenly quit doing science yeah and and, after, and so they hire all these business people and the, the top the scientists money suddenly money. lose control. And next thing you know, all the scientists are fired and the company's just becoming a marketing company. Wow. So yeah. I I've, I've just I want to keep us doing research. I want to complete our goals. And we are licensing every discovery that we make uh, to other companies that then market them. And they pay us a royalty and that the royalties, 100 percent of that royalty goes into the research. So that's we we finding get our, better so and,
0: yeah, and, and whittling yeah. away at this problem so this this compound that is now being tested that is 34 fold stronger than tam 81, uh, or actually 34 fold stronger than yeah. actual reversal of aging uh, yeah so it'd
1: be 30 times 6 so yes. 180 about 200 times more potent than tam818 but oh it's not God. a compound it's not a compound it's a gene therapy which is uh very different it's it's I, I compare it to like a soap bubble and inside the soap bubble is the gene for telomerase. And when that soap bubble comes in contact with a cell, which you think of the big cell as another soap bubble. Yep. Well, when they come in contact, they fuse and become one, just like any kids ever seen blowing soap bubbles in the air. Yeah. They, when this, they bump into one each other, they become one. Um, and so that's, so it delivers the gene to the cells and the gene is on it's it's switch is turned on so that as soon as it gets in cells it starts producing telomerase
0: and and uh, how do how do they get the delivery to every i'm getting tactical here but how do you get the delivery to every single cell in the whole of our billions of cells
1: but that's the beauty of our bodies is that every single cell of our body has to get nutrition from our blood right so any. So you put anything in the blood, it gets to every cell of the body. Oh wow! Now there's oh, wow. there's some like brain cells where there's some blood-brain barrier where yeah. they don't yeah. get there, but it turns out this gene therapy gets there too. Oh my gosh!
0: Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean the blood-brain barrier. I've been fighting with mum in her case with a an aneurysm and uh, huh. using hyperbaric oxygen therapy to get through that yeah. blood-brain barrier. But so, what do you think? Do you think it is within your grasp or within the grasp of these other companies that are now licensing that we will, within our lifetimes, or within the next 10 years, have products that can stop us from aging? And if we can, is it only going to be available to the super, super rich? Or is there products available now that have this TAM 818 that we can, the general public, can get access to?
1: Well, I believe that the very first person's actually going to get treated probably in May let's say we, we're shooting for March, but uh, <clears throat> there's been some uh, uh, things delaying us. but I, I would say uh, that, you know, when we get through our delays, Labella will then treat the first patient by probably May of 2018. And I expect that we will see age reversal before the end of this year, if not in less than three months afterwards. Wow! Um, so well, well within our lifetime. But as you said, unfortunately, this is something only the super, super wealthy can afford. Yep. And that's what LaBella's business model is. Uh, the clinical study is so expensive that, that no company in the planet could actually afford to do it. But <clears throat> if, if there are people that are really suffering from what I call telomeropathies, Okay, so some type of disease or something like that that's going to kill them because of telomere shortening. Yep. Then, then, and if they're super wealthy, it's really to their advantage to pay whatever it costs, even if it's five, ten million dollars.
0: Yep.
1: Because it'll save their life. Okay. Now, if I was, if I was a multi-multi millionaire, and um, uh, I was told that I was going to die within like uh, a year because of something due to short telomeres. I would sign up for this in a minute. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Now, I'm not super wealthy.
0: (laughs) uh, One of the
1: reasons why I haven't done this on myself is I can't afford to make enough to to do the treatment. But believe me, as soon as we get some of the patients signed up and we start getting uh, uh, – then LaBella starts putting on the market and we start getting royalties – uh, you believe I, I can I'm going to get this done on myself as soon as possible
0: yeah man. even though I
1: feel <laughs> like I'm already solved most of the problems but I, I'm I'm just excited about but the idea of breaking my children yeah no, yes.
0: like, yeah actually for you and for your family and for your friends and, and for everybody that's listening you know like this is the hope this is the hope that we're going to be able to at
1: this least is the long whole now. my whole goal in life right now is to do this and so I'm I, I'm just excited. As, as I said before, I'm a spectator like everybody else, but I'm just—I can't wait to see what happens with the first patients. Um, yeah,
0: oh, this is this is, this is going to be really, and we'll have to do a, another interview in a, in a year's time to see where that exactly is at and what's happening yeah. with it and how it's gone. Is there any downside to this lengthening? of You said it's not. You were—I remember an interview you talking about cancer and there was some discussion, is, is this going to actually make cancer worse? And you said in your belief it wasn't. Is there any other downside to this human telomerase? Why hasn't the universe turned this on? Why hasn't nature made this available to us so that we we don't age? What's your opinion?
1: Well, well, there are several questions there, but first, yeah, sorry. <laughs> first let me say that the, the cancer, the, the, there are people saying that this is going to give everybody cancer. Um, but that's all hearsay. There's no data supported. And there's, for every study that's ever been done that even suggests possibly that, that there might be a cancer issue, there's over 100 other papers showing that telomerase actually prevents cancer and yep. fights cancer. So so <clears throat> people not taking this therapy are going to be at higher risk of cancer than people that do take the therapy. Absolutely, uh, yeah. And then, so the other question was, uh, yeah, why did nature not give this to us? Yeah, Uh, This is something that it's common sense, but a lot of people never think this way until it's actually explained. In order for, uh, from an evolutionary perspective, in order for any kind of species to survive, it needs to be able to shuffle its genes. Okay, and that's why we always have two, a male and a female breed to produce an offspring, because that creates... a a randomness of genes that's never existed every time anybody's born, any animal or human is born. Yep. Okay. So in order for the shuffling to occur, it's important that the offspring interbreed with each other. Okay. Yep. And if, if the old never die, then the offspring will never be able to survive. I mean, the, the offspring could never compete with the old people. So, or the old animals. So every species, and it turns out there's a multitude of ways that different species have done this. Every species has to figure out a way to knock off the old wow. after the old have raised their young. Okay. Uh-huh. So once once the once any animal has raised its young, it's only in the way it's better for the survival of the species that that person or animal is is removed from the population by Finding some way to kill it off. Okay, wow. now it turns out humans, dogs, cats, horses, sheep, pig, and deer, all did that by telomere shortening. Okay, so we are, we and the other animals I just mentioned are designed so that our telomeres get to a critically short length, just about the same age as when we've finished raising our young. Yep. Okay, now other animals like rodents, mice, and rabbits, and things like that. They don't have telomere shortening. They do it by what's called oxidative stress and mitochondria dysfunction.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Um, the the experiment that was done you were talking about at Harvard on mice, that was actually done by on engineered mice that were engineered to age like humans with uh-huh. telomere shortening, which was oh unheard of in the mouse world. Yeah, but, yeah. but it's Is but that it's, Aubrey it's, de Grey's it,
0: work? Is is that Aubrey de Grey?
1: Yeah. What about Aubrey de Grey?
0: Was that his work? Is that his work, the mitochondria dysfunction? and Yes. Yeah.
1: So, so now I believe that mitochondria dysfunction and oxidative stress do uh, impact humans too. So I'm very, very interested in everything Aubrey de Grey is doing. Right. <clears throat> but I believe that we're going to find I, – I believe that telomere shortening is the number one thing we need to target – and then maybe after we eliminate telomere shortening, then we're going to actually start seeing mitochondria dysfunction and oxidative stress affecting have, our health have and more age. Effect. But, yeah. I, but I'm guessing that we'll live to be 150 before we see that. Wow! <clears throat> In which case, I'm going to be grateful that Aubrey de Grey has has, has done, done his work. work so that yeah. when I turn 150, I don't have to worry about that.
0: <laughs> uh, I love it, and I love this big visionary approach. You know, um, you know what? What do you? Th- yeah, d- if if Aubrey de Grey has the breakthroughs that he needs, and you have the breakthroughs that you need, you know what? T- theoretically, we could live uh, well five hundred years. Hey, until we I'm, no, I'm in no hurry something. to die.
1: No, me neither. I, I love living. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it as long as I can.
0: Uh, <laughs> do you have? <clears throat> you must have some, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, critics. Yeah. Who. Who say you' you're playing you know you're going against God or you're against creation um, against the normal flow of things in, in the world and nature you you know if we all live longer then we wouldn't be able to support our population all of that sort of ethical and moral stuff what what are your thoughts around that?
1: Well first of all we do have critics there are people saying that this is something we shouldn't be doing it's it's not natural and stuff like that. But it turns out all every religious group we've ever talked to is in full support of it. Really? Just every religious group is also going to have members of their organizations that, that are just a little bit out there and think it's wrong. But the, you know, top officials, let's say in various religious groups have said, this is a good thing. Uh, We, we, in my very first book, we actually had a representative of the Catholic church, write a chapter on how what we were doing was God's will. Okay, uh, what she wrote was that God kicked us out of the Garden of Eden, where we were immortal, and told us find our way back. Wow. And Catholic Church said this is part of finding our way back. So, and then wow. you know all that especially in in uh, uh, India where you awkward. and me both yeah or, where we were both there. I we we talked with a lot of monks and things like that, and they all were like this is important we got to do this uh i've never i haven't encountered any religious group at all that's opposed to what we're doing wow Uh, but there are critics that say that how are we going to deal with overpopulation how are the young ever going to get jobs if the old never retire things like that and so there is going to be some mess i'm i'm going to be responsible for a lot of trouble but (laughs) I, i i always think of it this way if 100 years from now we have a cure for aging and we have all the problems that anybody could ever imagine. And somebody says, we need to put a, a, a vote, you know, put something on the ballot that says we should ban the cure for aging. And I don't think anybody's ever gonna vote in favor of doing that. I think as bad as things can be, they're never gonna be as bad as they are now. Well, we have just incredible numbers of people, 150,000 people die every single day most of these people are in, and, and most of it is all age-related, yep. uh, and these people are in nursing homes and hospices Terrific. and
0: uh,
1: assisted living care places, and and it's like a horrible, horrible thing that we have going on, and this is what I want to be, you know. I, you know, Your mother is probably going through that kind of stuff. Absolutely. My father did before he passed away. It, it's just an awful thing, and we got to end that. Yes. Yeah. There's going to be problems. Yeah, I'm very so I'm very in favor of NASA doing whatever they can to find uh, the next other planet. planets because we just might have to move there. Yeah, um, look,
0: I mean it, this sounds all like science fiction, and you know we're talking in, in theories. I mean, and, and perhaps let's worry about that, you know, problem when we get to it because we're, we're you know, um, and maybe we need to stop reproducing so much, or I don't know. There's, yeah. a, there's a hundred other things that we can. Um, discuss, but let's solve this horrific degenerative process, and if we do have to die, then you know would I would rather die at the age of uh, hundred and fifty, uh, running an ultramarathon somewhere fully yes. healthy and just drop dead rather than going through fifty years of decline. Uh, and slowly but surely losing myself and my abilities and what I see in our older people and, you know, with the journey I've had with my mum in the last couple of years, the horrific stuff that you have to deal with when someone is disabled um, and all of these horrible things that happen to us. If we can can find a way to stop all that and then we just sit down one day and die, I'm quite happy with that, you know? Yeah. Well, living a long
1: time is going to be a side effect Yep. of living healthy Of living healthy. Okay? that's the goal, well we've got to make us healthy, we got to be, you and i got to both be running ultra marathons when we're 150 amen, years amen old,
0: amen to that one, we'll be the first ones to be still doing it yeah. um, speaking on that, Molly did say to me, your lovely wife ask Bill about his studies on endurance runners and their uh, their longevity um, have you done some studies on that Bill? because I need some ammunition we haven't
1: but others have, There's there's a <laughs> There's, there's a lot of studies now that have been published in scientific peer review journals uh, showing that the, the more intense and uh, more intense your, your endurance, and I, let, me, let me just say intense is the wrong word. Let's say the more endurance exercises you do, whether it's running, swimming, bicycling, or whatever, the longer your telomeres and the longer your lifespan will be. Wow. <clears throat> the problems that people hear about, like these runners dying young and things like that, uh, is not because of the distance It's because of how fast and how push, how much they're pushing it. You know, I, so, so with all this data, it's really what's the big problem is inflammation. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Okay. So if you run every single day, you're not going to get inflammation. Your body's going to recognize running as a natural thing. And so it's not going to build all these immune cells to attack your joints uh, where it thinks you're having inflama- uh, uh, invaders, it's not going to clog your blood vessels and things like that. If you are an occasional runner who runs like maybe once every two weeks or once a month, uh, you'll probably do really well in a marathon, okay? But the next day you're going to be stiff as a board.
0: Yep.
1: Okay. Well, that's because of inflammation. That's all the the, so, infl- the reason why you why the why you, you're not stiff as a board immediately when you finish a race, and it takes like 12 to 24 hours later before you are is yep. because Doms. you start Doms. producing all these immune cells that migrate to your joints and things like that because you, they think you're under attack and uh that inflammation and it also gets in your blood vessels and clogs your blood vessels that inflammation is what causes people to die young so so if you take the my attitude is when it quits being fun quit Okay. okay. Save it for another day. Now but that doesn't mean though, yeah. no,
0: like in ultras, obviously it's not all fun in games. I mean, you and I know that there's a hell of a lot of pain and suffering and exhaustion. So should we not be doing that distance or should we I, be I actually I yeah, actually you maybe not, but
1: I <laughs> Yeah, I, I actually um I I do I, I don't take the attitude I never let myself get totally exhausted in an ultra unless it's something really important like like uh ultra the high. Yeah. Uh, I, I did that, that probably shortened my lifespan a little bit, but uh, <laughs> most, most races, if if I reach a point where I just tired, I just quit. Okay. Save it for another day. And that's actually a healthy thing to do because your body doesn't get totally destroyed, but you know, it's easy for me. And, you know, easy. I've actually, I, back in 1998, when I did most of my when I first started doing hundreds and stuff like that, yep. I right away, you know, br- ran more hundreds than anybody in the world and things like that.
0: In one year, like and I got every record, award. You? What's yeah. that? You, you did more 100 milers in a year than anyone on the planet. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. And so I got all these awards and records and stuff like that. So all of a sudden, I didn't have anything to prove anymore. So yep. so now, when I run an ultra marathon, I don't have to finish. Yep. I just quit if if suddenly it's not feeling well. And I drop out. And I don't feel bad about it.
0: I can adopt um, that attitude, I think.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I think that's a hard attitude for a lot of people to, to do, but that, I I promote that, and that's, I think, the healthiest thing to do, and surprisingly, the more I do it, the less likely it is I'm going to get uh, weak and tired in my next race. Well, so, what about I,
0: adrenal exhaustion and, you know, as a coach, and we're getting off topic here, but – As a coach, I have seen a lot of, and in my own life, burnout, adrenal exhaustion, all of those things. Is that because we're pushing too hard, and we need to pull back a little, and then go again?
1: But I also think that's uh, probably a lot to do with inflammation. Okay. Okay. And inflammation is the key. And uh, so we uh, should be, yeah.
0: That's diet. That's nutrition. You know, supplementation. That's all of those good things. Exactly. And also,
1: every person's different. Okay, so yeah. some foods will cause inflammation in people, on some people, and not others. Yeah. And so, I think it's important for people to get blood work done to find out what foods actually give them inflammation. Now, for instance, I'm I'm a vegan. Okay, worse than a vegan. I I uh, because I believe that that all meats and dairy products cause inflammation. Wow. But I'm also also found from blood work that. Blueberries give me inflammation. Garlic gives me inflammation. Uh, so I don't do any of those things. Uh, high sugar gives everybody inflammation. So, you know, I try to. I tell people to keep their sugar under 20 grams a day. Um, but the uh, uh, the key thing is to learn what what's causing inflammation in you. In you. So get you rid own. of it. Drop so yep. it from your life because that's the number one cause of aging and declining health is inflammation.
0: Yeah. And it's not like I've just done a food testing recently, food sensitivity testing, and we're going to be starting offering it for our athletes and so on. Um, and I was surprised at what came back, you know, things that I thought I was eating healthily, like almonds and beetroot and things that were, you know, I thought were good and they were causing me inflammation reactions yep. in my body so you know it, this is where epigenetics gets interesting this is something that I've also uh, interviewed recently uh, an epigenetics scientist and they have a now an online tool where people can do epigenetic testing based on all these measurements of the body um, and and uh, so once again I think this personalized health future that we're looking at is very very exciting and it gives me great hope um,
1: well, everything because, I've been talking about is epigenetics is it, yep. epigenetics is a new word for an old science right you know it's like uh, we've been doing epigenetic studies uh, for 50 plus years yeah um, but it's it's just a new word now to describe that stuff it, it's it's yeah it's all epigenetics
0: and it's very exciting isn't it to um to that we're going to get access more to more and more such tools so that we can understand ourselves personally what yeah. we should be eating and doing and yeah
1: yeah no i'm glad to hear you're going to be providing testing like that, yeah. uh, the, uh, I'm, I'll probably sign up too, myself, because <laughs> always, I'm always studying myself. I'm, the, the hospitals around here, the phlebotomists there, know me by first name because I go in all the time wanting to know things about what's going on in my blood. Um, and, and the best way to measure inflammation is something called C-reactive protein or CRP. Okay. Uh, and so my doctor fills out prescriptions Bunch of them for me, and I put them in my briefcase. And uh, every every time I feel like I should get my inflammation checked, I just go to the hospital and give them the form, and I get blood work, and they tell me what my CRP score is. Wow! And and it's important, I think. They, they say on the forms and on the, the results that your CRP score should be under two. Uh, I forget what the units are, but the number two. I always I always get upset if it's higher than point two.
0: Oh, you know, okay. So, So, yeah, their scales are always out, aren't they? I mean, like, in every blood test that I go and do, you know, research and try and find out what's the real parameters that I should be looking at, not what the um, parameters against sick people are. The the average of the last 100 sick people. Um, So, okay, I'm going to go and do that one. Hey, look, Bill... um, where are you? Like, how are you? in at Sierra Sciences, just in case there's a few millionaires and billionaires out there listening, which is quite unlikely, but you never know. How is your funding situation? And, and 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 how do you get funding? How does that work? And if people are interested in helping you in that way, what can they do?
1: Well, let's say we used to get all of our funding from investors, <clears throat> um, and I've over the last. Between 1999 and about 2008, uh, all of my funding, I raised about $33 million, $33, $34 million. And that's how we got all of our funding. But then the global financial crisis of 2008 mm. hit us, and uh, all my investors lost the ability to invest anymore. Yeah, yeah. So we, yeah. we started, that's when we started licensing some of our discoveries. We'd already discovered TAM 818, it was just sitting on a shelf, nobody was doing anything with it, so suddenly we thought, well, let's license that to some company, and Defy Time got it, we also had natural products, and a company called Isogenics licensed those from us, and then... Yeah, uh,
0: let's talk about Isogenics a little bit, because yeah, I know yeah. there was a little bit of controversy whether a, yeah, a multi-level marketing company really good have some of the answers and product B is one of their products. And I know there's you know a lot of detractors around that. But John Andrews is a very clever uh scientist uh, uh, the, the founder of Isogenics.
1: John Anderson. Yeah. yeah. John Anderson. Yeah, Anderson, yeah. sorry.
0: Um those are those products good? You know, is no, product well, B have have a compound mm. in it that is part of what you've researched?
1: Yeah. Well let me first say that I've, I've actually been appalled at most multi-level marketing companies. I think multi-level marketing <laughs> yeah. is a great business model. Yeah. But it's, it, it's so easy for crooks to yeah. take advantage of it. And, and so a lot of sell, multi-level process. marketing companies are selling products that are just absolute junk. And I've been asked by many of them to join forces with them to help them raise money. And I've always refused because I, I didn't like their ethics. No. But that changed when I first met Isagenix. I've never met a company that we had higher standards of ethics ever in multilevel marketing than Isogenics. And, you know, I've gotten to know the founders of the company and, you know, it's, it's amazing how at every meeting the founders are absolutely adamant that we will not sell a product that does not work, you know, and they want to do clinical studies and et cetera. And I, you know, I've never seen a multi-level marketing company that, that, that expels some of their associates. You know, multi-level marketing have associates, people that are trying to sell. If the associate starts making false claims, isogenics cuts them loose, yep. Says, okay, you're no longer part of isogenics. And most other multi-level marketing companies really like encourage saying things that are not correct and stuff like that. So I'm a bit, very, very big fan of isogenics. I take a lot of the Isagenix products. Uh, and we did license, are natural products to them, and they 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 mixed them together and uh, created product B, which is now called Isogenesis.
0: Uh-huh.
1: So I how, take it how, every day.
0: How, how potent is Isogenesis in in mm-hmm. relation to your your the breakthroughs and Tm818 and um, the stuff that yeah, you're working I, on now?
1: I, it's it's actually I'm going to say that all the products that all the products that work are Ta65 out of TA Sciences, isogenesis out of isogenics, Defy Time products out of the Tam 818 out of Defy Time, <clears throat> and this gene therapy. But I, I really not want to get into actually comparing them all because they're all good companies. They've all done clinical studies. The problem is that, that for all th- those four companies I just mentioned, there's probably 100 others that are just charlatans. It's yes. like because these products work, there's a whole bunch of other companies that have gotten on. They're starting to sell products that absolutely don't work. And so those are the ones that I want to vo- make certain people stay away from. And I don't want to mention names, but yeah, the, uh, uh, it's important to check to make certain that that w- the company has a lot of peer-reviewed studies
0: peer-reviewed.
1: showing that product works. Not just one, because everybody can f- get just one study. Uh, but there's got to be a lot of peer-reviewed studies then there's a lot of companies that are like saying they're selling a bottle that has telomerase in it. And that's that's so crooked because telomerase is too big to get inside of cells. <laughs> so, but back to your question, all these products are good. I take them all. So okay. You
0: take, so TA65, is it which company, is that a company name, TA65? That's,
1: that TA65 is sold by a company called TA Sciences. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the very first one that's ever come on the market Um uh, it was discovered at Geron, where I was working. Yep. Uh, then after I left Geron, we did all the studies to verify that it does officially work. Um, and for every every product on the market that claims to uh, induce telomerase, uh, we check, and I would say maybe one in a hundred actually are it real. Actually okay. Does. And okay. so, so TA Science is- TA65 is the very first one we've ever checked that actually repeatedly, reproducibly works. Um, but then uh, uh, then they have the most clinical studies done too. Isogenics is product B, theirs also works. They have not had as many clinical studies, but they do have some, but you know, they haven't been around as long as TA65 has. Um, and then by time, they have some actually very official clinical studies done. Uh, where they've hired other labs to actually do a lot of studies on them, and so they, they've got significant clinical studies, but yeah, The first two, TA65 and, and isogenesis, those are natural products, mm-hmm. so they don't require FDA approval because they're already determined, uh, what's, what's the word? Um, they're in the generally regarded as safe, grass, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's uh, safe. Now, tam one is a pharmaceutical, so it required clinical studies and approval, uh, and that's apparently been obtained because it's on the market now. Uh, and then the uh, uh, the gene therapy that I mentioned that's presently in clinical studies. Yep. But anybody who wants to take it can can sign up to be in the study if they can afford it. As I said, that's million. millions of dollars. But I, you know, it does. Yeah. It, for us to make it in our lab to make enough to treat one person once. Is millions of dollars, and that's one of the reasons why we we can only make it at small scale and test it in in uh, human cells in a petri dish. Did, um, you
0: had um, a study that was uh, with primates too, I believe.
1: Um, we uh, not yet. We no, uh, that's
0: coming, And what so. we did
1: is we started we started searching for long before I met uh, the people with Labella. We started looking for a really small primate <clears throat> because, as, as I'd already told you rodents like mice don't age by telomere shortening, right. so we had to find what's the smallest rodent that does and so primates was the ideal one yep. and the smallest primate is something called madame bertha's mouse lemur yep okay and it's the size of your thumb
0: wow
1: okay it's, cool. a, it's a monkey the size of your thumb well, it's not a monkey it's a primate but it's the size of your thumb yeah and they they're only found on the island of madagascar yep and so we were working. We had all plans to go there, collect some. Uh, ideally, we are going to look for people that were actually keeping them as pets so that we can treat them. Because we didn't feel like we wanted to cage them or cause them any trouble and things like that. We just want to treat them and then let them live their normal lives, uh, eating everything, and see if they live longer and have age reversal. Um, <clears throat> so we were working on that. It was like a lot of regulatory hurdles yeah. we had to go through. That's all of a sudden when Labella came along and said they wanted to do this human study uh, and they, they thought they could get regulatory approval so I said, oh, go for it. And yeah. now they've gotten regulatory approval, they have a clinical study done and maybe we'll never do the primate study now. <laughs> it's sure. like yeah. the only reason you do a books. primate study is to, is to be able to get the humans. But we have developed the um, pharmaceuticals, the, the TAM818 and also the gene therapy for dogs, cats and horses too. Wow! So. We, you know, we, we we're talking about trying to find. We're looking for some marketing company that wants to do this. But our surprise, and I won't mention names, some of the large pet food companies mm-hmm. have talked to us when we when we presented to them and told them what we can do with you know reversing age in dogs, you know, and cats. That would be major. They said, believe it or not, they said we don't we don't see a market for that. <laughs> no, and I thought, what you, you know, have- these guys are crazy, and and but. It, they decided they didn't want to do it. So, we're still looking for somebody who's interested in marketing these things. Because like I said, we don't want to market. We just want yeah, to do research. Yeah. You we'll know, license de- it to them and they can do it.
0: Defy Time, is that only skincare at this stage?
1: No, not at all. Oh. Uh, their website is uh, defytimer.com. So, D E F Y T I M E R. Dot com. I'm going if
0: there. If you go to it, you'll
1: see they have all kinds of products now.
0: Wow. Um, okay. And is it affordable for average people? No. No.
1: No. <laughs> it's, not yet. And, and, you know, it's not because they're greedy or trying to make a lot of money. It's, it's because this molecule Pam 818 is very expensive to make. And <clears throat> I just keep thinking of, you know, we get royalties when people buy these products. We get royalties, and we're putting all that money into finding cheap, inexpensive uh, ways yeah. to cure all of it. So, um, so we yes, need to support it, these
0: companies if we can, obviously.
1: I, I, I call it marching into hell for a heavenly cause. Okay? <laughs> it's not, my goal is not to make the wealthy younger. My goal is to make everybody younger. And yeah, but
0: you have to make everybody with,
1: younger. We first got to make the, healthy, the wealthy. The wealthy.
0: Yeah. And, yep. and and that, yeah, that's just the the way it is in the world. Hey, look, Bill, you've just I don't know, you've just, just this incredible interview. I, I this is really I think going to open people's eyes as to what's coming and what what we can hope for, and also these that these products that we can al- already get involved with in some way. I mean, um, isogenesis um, from Isogenics and things are not out of people's range, mm. um, and I'm trying to get some here. I haven't managed to get any yet. Um, can, can I give just the
1: website so people can go find yeah, these please, products please I talked So T A sixty five, the website is tasciences.com. Mm-hmm. Um uh, isogenics is isagenix.com, so isogenics.com. Uh Defy Time is Defy Timer, D-E-F-Y-T-I-M-E-R dot com. And then Labella, the gene therapy, that's Labella G T, or it's short for gene therapeutics. So Labella L-I-B-E-L-L-A-G-T dot com. And those are the places everybody can go to find out how to get their hands on some good they're products products that are legit
0: they're legit and they're going to help you slow down yeah. the aging process i think that's a that's a, you know we we're, we're all super excited about the work that you're doing and thank you so much bill for keeping up the good fight because i know you know it can't be easy uh, and it can't be easy fighting against the naysayers it can't be easy getting the funding it can't be easy any of the things that you do but that's why you're you know i think we learn a lot from ultramarathon running don't we about perseverance <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, well, this company is my ultramarathon now. It sure is. It's, uh, yeah. <laughs>
0: it's a huge a huge uh, laboratory and you've put your heart and soul and your life into it. And I really hope that um, you can, for us, for, for for you, your friends, your beautiful Molly, uh, for my parents, I hope that we can get that breakthrough soon. All
1: right. Well, thank you very much. I enjoyed it. Thanks, Bill. All right
0: wanted to let you guys know about my new mindset academy it's called the path of an athlete and it's all about how to develop mental toughness resilience leadership skills how to overcome those limiting beliefs those self-doubts that we all have and how you can achieve your dreams and fulfill your potential so head on over to lisatamity.co.nz forward slash ecourse to find out all about it and get involved You've been listening to Pushing the Limits, brought to you by Running Hot Coaching, your online health and fitness coaching platform. For more information, visit us at www.runninghotcoaching.com.